Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Reverend's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we indeed thank you this morning for your word. I pray that you will help me articulate the word in such a way that it would not only bring conviction in our lives, but it will bring conversion and change. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for already being here and for breathing on this word. And I thank you today that the lives of every married couple in this place and, and that's a part of this church will be changed for the better. I back up and I'm asking you to step forward. And as I decrease, I ask for you to increase. And I thank you for the anointing of God to articulate the gospel in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There was a story about a lady whose husband was seriously ill. And, and after the doctor completed his examination, he called the wife into his office alone by herself to talk about the state of her husband. And the doctor told her that her husband was suffering from a rare disease combined with stress. And if she did not do the following, he was going to die. He said each morning, fix him a healthy breakfast. Be pleasant and nice and make sure he is in, good, in a good mood all day long. For dinner, prepare an extra nice meal for him. Don't ever discuss your problems with him. It will only make his stress worse. Try to relax your husband in the evening by wearing lingerie and giving him plenty of back rubs. Encourage him to watch plenty of sporting events and most of all, make love with your husband several times a week and satisfy his every desire. Somebody said, I want that to happen to me. <laughs> and so on the way home in the car, the husband asked the wife, what did the doctor say? She said, well, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> Woo-wee! I'm starting a new series entitled Survivor. Everybody say Survivor. And this series has a twofold purpose. It is first to minister specifically to our married couples to address things in a marriage that would make it strong and healthy. And then the second purpose of the series is to minister to our singles so that they know how to live a successful single life as well as prepare themselves for any future marital relationships if they desire. And just in case you're visiting us, we're using the first four Sundays in September to address the specific needs for these two groups. And what that means is we have designed our 9 o'clock service, which is right now, to minister to our married couples. And our 11 o'clock service will be just for our singles. Now, let me just define what married means because our culture has really changed the meaning. 
Marriage means a marital relationship between a man and a woman that was ordained and done and licensed through somebody who has the power to marry you. In other words, you know, uh, it don't count if you are what they call, come on, y'all, y'all used to do it, common law. That's not marriage. Okay? And the goal of our marriage series is to provide you with biblical principles and practical applications that will help maximize your marriage. So if you're taking notes, today's message will be used as our foundation for the whole series. And today's topic is commitment, the glue to a successful marriage. I'm going to say that again. Commitment, the glue to a successful marriage. And the purpose of today's teaching is to show you how the right perspective of commitment will provide glue for every marriage. Now, I have some ground rules before I get started. I know this is a long introduction. I normally don't take this long, but I have to do this. I have some ground rules for all of you who are married. First of all, number one is to listen to every message with only you in mind. In other words, ask yourself... Am I actively and presently doing what is being said? Don't listen to the message for your spouse being like, yeah, I hope they heard that. (laughs) Number two, no elbowing. No threatening in the service allowed. Number three, no hitting, striking, punching, or pinching your spouse. Number four, no arguing or verbally embarrassing your spouse about the lesson here or even outside of here. In other words, some of the best arguments start after church about what was said. So I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm 127. And if you don't have a Bible, they'll have it on the screen for you. Uh, Psalm 127, we're going to look at verse 1. And then Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. I'll say those again, Psalm 127, verses 1, and then Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. And while you're finding those two particular verses, I want to give everybody here a relationship commitment checkup. How many go to the doctor every year to get a checkup? Yeah, when you get past 40 as a man, we don't enjoy the checkups like we used to. There is an invasion of privacy that takes place when you go beyond the age of 40. And so I'm going to give you a relationship commitment checkup. And so here it is. Are you a chicken in your relationship or are you a pig? Are you a chicken or are you a pig in your relationship? I'm going to give you some examples. Chickens, you know, because I got this from a story. I heard a story about a farmer and he was... Uh, wanted to have breakfast and you know in this story the animals could talk and so he wanted some bacon and eggs and some toast and so he went out to the to the barn and he asked the chicken hey would you like to participate in my breakfast and the chicken said no problem he said well I need an egg or a couple of eggs from you the chicken laid the eggs no problem when he got to the pig he said hey you know what I need some bacon and uh, unfortunately you're gonna have to give your life for me to eat and the pig said no problem that's why I was created so the pig lost his life So are you a chicken or a pig? You say, well, what do you mean by that? I'm going to break it down real quick. 
Chickens give some of themselves in a relationship, but pigs give all of themselves. I'm going to say that again. Chickens give some of themselves, but pigs give all of themselves. Here's another one. Chickens are committed, but pigs are fully committed. See, the, the chicken was committed for the farmer to eat because all he had to do was lay some eggs, but the pig was fully committed because he had to give his life. Here's another one. Chickens will lay down an egg, but not their life. Pigs will give their life. So my question again is, are you a chicken or a pig? Because see, if you are a chicken, chickens run when things get tough. Pigs will stick it out. Amen. Now, are you in Psalm 127? I have three simple points this morning. Here's the first one. Marriage starts with God. Marriage starts with God. In Psalm 127, I'm going to read it in the King James, and then I'm going to switch over to the message translation. This is what it says. Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wake it, but in vain. In other words, I want you to see the house is your relationship. The house is your marriage. The message translation, I love it. I love it. It says, if God doesn't build the house, if God doesn't build the marriage, the builders only build shacks. And some of us have shacking relationships. Some of us in this room even shacked before we got into a marriage relationship. Raise your hand. No, I'm going to ask you that. Just in case you didn't know, shacking is a, is a slang version of being together, acting like you're married, but you're not. Amen. Now, here's the thing. If marriage starts with God, what is God's perspective regarding marriage? Go to now Matthew chapter 19. Go to Matthew 19. If marriage starts with God, then what is God's perspective on marriage? Remember now, God put Adam and Eve together. Marriage started with God. It wasn't man's idea. It was God's idea. To the point that when God made Adam and he named all those animals and those animals came in pairs, it finally got to a point where he realized he was missing something. And the Bible says, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he created for that man and helped me. So marriage starts with God. Everybody say marriage, marriage. starts with God. Now, what's God's perspective? Well, let's look in Matthew 19, look in verse 1. It says, and this is Jesus talking. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these things, he departed from Galilee and he came into the coast of Judea before Jordan. And great multitudes followed him. And he healed them there. Verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away, I'm going to use the word divorce, to divorce away his wife. Now read this part with me. For every cause. They didn't just ask him, is it okay to divorce, you know, if somebody cheated in the relationship or if somebody's being abused in the relationship. They said, is it lawful? To divorce a woman for every cause. If she burnt my toast, can I divorce her? If she's not listening to me, can I divorce her? If she's not giving me as much sex as I want, can I divorce her? Mm, it's quiet, ain't it? They said, for any reason, can we divorce them? Watch now. 
what Jesus said. Verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them, the married couple, at the beginning made them male and female. Verse 5, and said, for this cause shall a man leave, everybody say you got to leave, leave, and that word leave means to depart from and leave behind your father and mother and shall what? Cleave, the word cleave means to glue and to cement. You must cleave, you must glue and cement to his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Wherefore, I'm giving you God's perspective on marriage here. Wherefore, they are no more two, but how many? One flesh. What therefore God has joined together. Notice God views marriage as him doing it. Let no man put asunder. They said unto him, Well, why did Moses command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, allowed you to put away your wives. But listen to this. From the what class? Come on, class. From the beginning, it was not so. Let me just stop there and say, divorce was not God's intention from the beginning. And he's saying here the only reason he allowed Moses to allow them to divorce was because of the hardness of their heart. Now watch verse 9. And I say unto you, watch this, whosoever shall put away his wife. Now he's about to give you instructions on if you do want to put away your wife or you do want to put away your husband. He's about to give you instructions on how you do that. He says, well, whosoever shall put away his wife, I'm going to say or husband, Except it be for what? Fornication, sex outside of your relationship. And what else? Shall marry another, commits what? Oh my God, the A word. He said they commit adultery. And whosoever marry her, which is put away, does commit what? Adultery. Now let me just stop here and say this. There are some of you all who have been married more than once in this room. And I know that. And you say, well, pastor, am I committing adultery because I have left my relationship? Well, here's the question. Did you leave your last relationship because of fornication? Or I'm going to use abuse or anything like that because God don't want you to stay in a relationship that's abusive. If you didn't leave for one of those reasons, you fall in this category right here. You say, well, whoa, what do I do, Jesus, because I'm on my third marriage. It's real simple. There's only one sin that's unpardonable. And that's blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Jesus said every other sin can be forgiven. Well, guess what? Divorce falls in that category. So, so if you fell in that category where you just divorced because you got tired of him or tired of her, all you have to do is just go before the Lord and say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. And you know what? You just move on with your life. That sin ain't no different than lying, which some of us in this room are very good at. Now, divorce does have different repercussions, especially if you have children and all that kind of thing. Even if you don't have children, when you, when God glues you together, you ever glue, you ever super glued your fingers together or something? Man, it is painful to get apart. So even if you don't have kids, divorce can still be painful. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so here's, uh, here's number two. Commitment starts with God. 
Now, we, we said at first, marriage starts with God. Now, we're going to talk about commitment. Commitment starts to God. Now, go to Matthew chapter 7. Go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look in verse 24. I was reading a, an article recently where the oldest married couple in the world who is still alive, they hold the Guinness Book of World's Records for the most oldest, longest married couple. They have been married for 86 years. And they are still alive today. The husband is 104 and the wife is 101. And they were being interviewed and because one of the questions related to my point here, which is commitment starts with God, I, I wanted to just pull out this, uh, this question. This is what they were asked. What's the one thing you have in common that transcends everything else in your marriage? And their answer was, we are both Christians and believe in God. But it didn't stop there because the Christian divorce rate is just as high as the world's divorce rate. But listen to what else he said. He, they, they said, we pray with each other every day, but commitment, marriage is a commitment to the Lord. Marriage is a commitment to the Lord. And until you commit to the Lord first, you can't commit to a person second. Amen. Now, uh, where I tell you to go? I don't want to go there because I'm losing time. Well, 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 I don't want to go there. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Go to 2 Corinthians 8. Commitment starts with God. And, and most people didn't have a commitment with God at the right level when they got married. And see, here's the thing. Let me say this to you. You can't have a successful horizontal relationship until you have learned to have a successful vertical relationship. In other words, you can't commit to somebody in the flesh if you haven't learned to submit to somebody in the spirit. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter eight, look at verse one. It says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of grace of the God bestowed upon the church of Macedonia. How then a great trial of afflictions. I'm going to skip all that. I'm going to jump down to verse four. Praying with us. I just wanted y'all to see the context, but y'all still didn't see it because I didn't read it because I'm out of time. So just look at verse four. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Watch this now. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did. Watch this now because I'm going to show you how commitment works. Not as we hoped. But what class? Come on class. Come on class. But first, what does first mean? First means first. He said, but first they gave themselves to who? To the Lord. And then to who? To us by the will of God. In other words... You, if you're going to have a successful marriage, commitment means that you first commit. 